Hey chicks, welcome back to another episode. This is Sarah. This is Victoria. And we are the Authentic Chicks. Hell yeah, we are. I am obsessed. I mean, same. Have you been listening to it nonstop? On repeat. I think the other day I just turned it on as I was working, and there's only like six songs on her EP, but Kelsey Ballerini is life right now. Yes. Mountain with a view. I mean, track one, she just like took it away, took my breath away, honestly. Even with the video, the whole compilation and theatrics of everything, I'm here for it. I feel like she is in her Taylor Swift era. She's giving like Taylor <laughs> Swift reputation era vibes. And these are the vibes that I can get down with. So keep it up, Kelsey. <laughs> so I've been, of course, obsessed. I've li- read all the articles, listened to the podcast she was on because she was on Call Her Daddy. And I'm like, I've done a deep dive. So I went in and I don't think you've really followed it as much as I have. And I've like, this has become my identity since she released it. So. <laughs> No, I haven't. Let's be honest. (laughs) We'll get back to your normal programming of Victoria shortly, but just let me live as Kelsey Ballerini for just a little bit, okay? I'm here for it. I am here to support you in all of your endeavors, and if you want to be Kelsey Ballerini for the next 30 seconds, let's go. Okay, so let me just get into it. She met Morgan Evans while co-hosting an award show in 2016, and I think that's very important. She had just gotten out of like a long-term relationship. She met this guy. I think she fell in love quickly. And she even said, like, when she loves, she loves hard. And she don't, she'll never regret that. She loves that about herself because she's like, I, always, I got to feel so many feelings. And I think that's amazing that I let myself go through this period of time. I mean, when you fall, it is hard. But she said, mm-hmm. I would rather fall hard and love hard than never to love at all. So they dated for a short period of time. They were engaged in 2016. So they met and they were engaged in the same year. They were engaged for nine months and they got married in December of 2017. Wait, so they they met in 2016 in Australia. They got engaged Mm -hmm. so soon. Okay, I have to be honest. That's my first red flag. How mm-hmm. do you know? I'm, and maybe this is just because I have yeah. been with in a relationship for so long. But how do you know that you really want to be with someone for your entire mm-hmm. life and know everything about them whenever you just met them, what, four months earlier? Right. And I think that's one of the red flags that she had because he's like nine years older than her. She was 23. Like she was 22, 23 when this all went down. Like when you're young and in love and you're like, let's do this. um, You know, I don't know. She said that like as soon as they got engaged, like the month before they got married, he moved in with her. She said that should have been a red flag, but it wasn't. Um, So I think she was just swept up in the whole thing, which she said that she never wanted to get married ever. And she even, like, took ownership. She's like, I put that on me. Like, Mm -hmm. I did not want to – I don't want the marriage and the kids thing. She said, my parents' marriage fell apart, and that's just what I know. And his his family was together and, you know, happy and had this great relationship, and that was great. And she said she thinks she fell in love with that idea more so than the the idea of having the life, but 
the idea of the legality of marriage she doesn't agree with. And she even said, she's like, I don't know that I, I will ever get married again. She said, I want to wake up every day and choose my partner. I don't want a piece of paper telling me I have to. I mean, she is definitely giving John Mayer, Taylor Swift vibes with the age gap <laughs> and him basically gaslighting her. But wait, is she dating Chase Stokes? Did she say she was? Yes. Yes, she <laughs> is. <laughs> what was he in? What's his show? Uh, Outer Banks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like, I can I haven't looked up like what he looks like. So I'm like, I'm not exactly sure who he is. She said she's never seen a show. Really? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my God. I am obsessed with Outer Banks. So when I, w- I was sick, Same. like, a couple, well, I guess it was last year, whenever it came out, and I binged all of it. <laughs> and I was just, like, I was remember Googling and being, like, when is Outer Banks coming out again? And it comes out soon. Well, today. Shut today up. We're posting this on Thursday. Oh, my gosh. I, sorry, <laughs> I, I'm feeling sick. <laughs> I'm going to call in sick to work and just sit at home and watch it all day. Literally watch me. If, if my boss is listening, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I love. So I had never heard of him prior to Outer Banks. And I think that he had a couple of small acting gigs. But the only reason that I was going to listen to her episode of in the podcast of Call Her Daddy was to see if they were dating. Because I love the um, actress that he plays with in Outer Banks. Her name is Sarah in the show. Remember, you know who I'm talking about? Yes. So they yeah. dated Madeline Klein. They dated for a little stint, and I loved her. I still do. Yeah. So I really didn't become a Kelsey Ballerini fan until I started seeing all of the videos of this EP that she released on TikTok. So I've not been like following her through any of this like you have because yes. I'm over here like, oh, spill the tea, honey. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> So she filed for divorce in August of 2022. But did you know they would not, she said that they would not fight, but they would just be silent. So like they would go through stints where they just really wouldn't talk. And that was their version of fighting. And so the night before the CMAs, he, they, she slept on the couch Mm -hmm. and the, she just texted him and she was like, I'll just see you on the red carpet. And she said, we showed up with like bags under our eyes because neither one of us had slept. And it was like, I'm working like I can't I can't sit here and have this moment with you because I have to work in the morning and I have to do the red carpet. I have to I think she was hosting the CMAs or. Well, I saw in one of the videos that she had said that she was performing in front of the largest crowd of people that she had performed in front of yet. And she literally slept on the couch the night before, then had to go and perform Homecoming Queen, right? Which is the Mm -hmm. only song that I know of hers. And she said that it was the most heartbreaking. And I watched the YouTube video of her performance, and she just looks like she's about to break down and have a little minty bee. Like, mm. girl's going to cry at any moment. It was so, it was sad. Yeah. I and mean, it's so sad to think that you have to put on a smile and go out there and and entertain people. And, I mean, granted, that's her job. That's what she's always wanted to do. But it's so hard to separate your professional and your personal life and be able to kind of put a break in those two. Um, so I feel for her. But... So she sat down and had a conversation with him that she was ready to she was ready to file for divorce and not even like a month or two later. I think she said that this was in August. So in October of 2022, Morgan Evans released Over For You, which you said you had heard that song, right? Yeah. So I that's like 
for I mean, we play country music at the lake, and Henry mm-hmm. loves like Zach Bryan, you know, Luke Combs, like the raw country singers, but. I have heard his song come on like the radios, like at the lake. So I knew what that song was, but I never realized who it was about until Mm -hmm. her response to him and all of the videos and social media saying like, oh my God, like this isn't responses. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I put two and two together and it is literally, it reminds me of flowers, Miley Cyrus's version and response of the Bruno Mars when I was your man and it reminds Mm -hmm. me of that exact thing because it's basically a mirrored reflection of his side her side right yeah and in the in the mountain with the view song she just talks about like this is when it was over for me and she said something very powerful that was um you know you loved me more at 23 and I love me more at 29 and I like snaps for Kelsey because It takes a lot to be able to stand up and say, I'm going to blow my entire life up, but I'm going to find myself when the dust settles. And that's okay. And I was just, I I think it's very moving. Personally, very happily married. Love my husband to death. But just hearing someone's powerful story like this is so, it's just inspiring to, to think that it's okay to put yourself first. I think it's very inspiring to see her story play out the way it has and her take her mental health and her happiness in her own hands. Yeah, it's it's good for her to talk about these things, obviously. I think that there are things that aren't talked about enough, but it also just kind of shines a light that just because you're a celebrity doesn't mean that you have it all together. Because you see celebrities on TV, social media, you know, you always think, oh, they have so much money, they have to be so happy. But it doesn't matter how much fame and how much you're in the spotlight or how much money that you have in your bank account or how many Louis Vuitton bags or red bottom shoes you own. Because she is a perfect example of she was so unhappy and I just I think pulling herself out of that had to be a very, very daunting and hard task because yeah, we both know we struggle with anxiety before, but having mm-hmm. like, I can't imagine being in, in that spot, having anxiety about my relationship and then having to go perform and being in the spotlight. Like I know with when I've struggled with anxiety and like panic attacks, I don't want to be around anyone. Like I don't want to be mm-hmm. in the spotlight. So I, I don't know. It, it does kind of just make you see a more humanized version of someone who is so famous. Yes, I agree. I think the anxiety that she dealt with on a day-to-day basis, basically living almost, I, I don't want to say a lie, but but in some ways, yes, because she never really wanted the marriage and the kids and stuff like that. And she did it because that's what he wanted. And he started talking about kids as soon as they got married and she, you know, I think just living with that anxiety of this is the, I'm living my life for somebody else. And she even said that she felt like she was the back of, of a mirror for him or for anybody because mm. she's a people pleaser. So she was like, I just feel like sometimes I don't really know what I want. And I just am the back of the mirror for somebody else. And I just can't. I mean, I, I deal with anxiety. I have anxiety. I have had anxiety for many years. But all of a sudden, just living this life where you wake up one day and you're like, this isn't it for me. And I think I think that's great for her to mm-hmm. take that into her own hands and and basically blow everything up and see where it leads. 
now that we're on the top of it, topic of anxiety, though, let's just dive right in. Let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> I got my heating pad on. I have a cup of coffee. I got my big comfy Noah Khan t-shirt on. So I'm, I'm cozied up. <laughs> so obviously, just with anything, there's all types types of anxiety and we don't really have to go through them all but we can I mean we can just mention them all Mm -hmm. there's just general anxiety which is anxiety all the time over everything there's panic panic attacks that you can have so panic disorder that those often will come without explanation Uh, social anxiety disorder of course Mm -hmm. social anxiety that's what that is Health anxiety, which is like a hypochondriac type person. Separation anxiety, you know, the dogs, the kids, they all tend to have those, but adults do too. Phobias, hello, velvet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> agoraphobia is the fear of um, a scenario where escapes dip- might be difficult. OCD, body dysmorphia, prenatal and postnatal anxiety, and PTSD. But those are the types of anxiety, but I feel like there's so much that goes into every person, and I think everybody in some form or fashion has a type of anxiety, whether they realize that that's what it is or not. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think that anxiety is something that everyone experiences, and it's one of those whether they want to admit it or not type of cases, because... You can experience it at, everyone experiences at different times in their life. Some have experienced it from a young child in their adolescence. Some may just be a young adult or they're just now experiencing what adulthood is like and they have anxiety with growing up. Some people may not experience it until a later time. And I think that the reason that it can happen at so many different time points is because the world is constantly changing, right? Like, Technology, social media, the expectations, the pressure that people put on themselves as a parent, child, grandparent, friend, spouse, profession, whatever it may be, because everything is constantly changing and you can't keep up with it because change is inevitable. Mm -hmm. Change is always Mm -hmm. going to happen and it can be scary and it can be also really exciting, but you have to just train yourself to remember that change is always going to come and it's your response to it that is going to allow you to either take control of the anxiety that may come with that or the anxiety is going to control you. Because mm-hmm. I know whenever I first experienced anxiety, it honestly wasn't that long ago. It was during COVID. And I would say it was about three years ago, 2020, 2021 time frame. I was living in my apartment with my best friend, Morgan, and I... I just remember I was having these like panic attacks and I literally remember the exact moment I was sitting on the couch. Henry and I were watching Criminal Minds and I thought that it was something in the show that was scaring me. And I just literally jumped up and I just grabbed my chest and I thought I was having a straight heart attack. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't breathe. You have to take me to the hospital. Of course, he didn't because. I'm drama. It's fine. (laughs) I'm still alive. No one go after Henry for potentially killing me. But (laughs) but I did. I it was the first time that I'd ever felt like I couldn't breathe and I felt like there was just this block of weight on my chest. So I was able to calm myself down. I go the next night and I just wake up out of dead sleep and I just like 
literally pop up like a springboard. Like, you know, one of those clowns where you turn the box and they come and pop up. And that's literally me (laughs) popping out of bed. And I just remember, like, I'm getting warm talking about it. (laughs) I don't even know (laughs) if I've talked about this out loud before. But I remember, like, not being able to breathe and just gripping at my chest. And I thought that because I was born with a heart murmur, I thought that it was that. So Uh I was working from my mom's house at the time because I didn't have enough space in my apartment. And so I went to my mom, and she's, you know, my best friend. I was like, look, this is what's happening, and I don't really know why this is going on. So she's like, go to the doctor, yada, yada. So I go to the doctor, get an EKG done. I do a stress test. I have to wear a heart monitor for three weeks. Heart monitor comes back fine, and she sits me down and is like, have you ever been diagnosed with anxiety? And, of course, immediately I'm like, no, I don't have anxiety. Like, (laughs) I, you know, I've always been this outgoing, bubbly, friendly type of person. And that's just not something that has ever, in my mind, had a positive connotation to it is the word anxiety or depression. And so she sat down and talked to me and was like, you're having panic attacks. Why are you having them? And I'm like, I don't know. And she's, like, giving me all of these, like, this these steps, right? Like, your 12 steps to sobriety, but, like, how to figure <laughs> out what's causing it and what's triggering it. And, I mean, I was, you know, 27, went 26 when this was happening. So I wasn't super – I wasn't a child. I wasn't young. I was, you know, kind of in my mid-adulthood. And I was just like, how is this happening to me so late in life? Like – It was just very Mm -hmm. odd for me to experience it at that time. So I remember going home to my apartment. Morgan and I sat down, and I was like, look, this is what they told me, and they actually did prescribe me some anti-anxiety medication. I was so nervous to take it because you only hear like, oh, my gosh, it turns you into a zombie or it makes you just not be yourself anymore, and I did not want that. Like, I was literally afraid. Mm -hmm. So then I'm getting anxiety about taking anxiety medicine. (laughs) (laughs) It was this whole spiral and, but I did, I sat down and I really just, it took me a couple of months to have that moment of, you have to be honest with yourself, Sarah, what is going on? Like stop Mm -hmm. sugarcoating, stop putting up walls, stop making excuses for people and for things and figure out what is causing your anxiety. And I won't go into the boring details of everything that snowballed into me having the panic attacks because no one cares. But it does take a really long time for you to be able to just like be honest with yourself because you can read as many Pinterest quotes as you want that talk about anxiety, but it's so much deeper than surface level. And if you don't Mm -hmm. get it under control and that you don't understand what it is that is causing it, you're never going to get out of that and you're never going to fix it. And I think that I'm excited we're talking about this because I don't know. I mean, I, you know, was looking up ways to handle anxiety, but I didn't know any coping mechanisms about it. Like, I've never heard anyone talk about it. It's almost like raising a kid. Like, there is no book (laughs) that's going to tell you how to do this. There is no book that's going to tell you the best way that you can handle your anxiety. It's trial and error. Yeah, (laughs) right. There's no like for those books for dummies. (laughs) But I mean, here we are like, you know, three years later and I definitely have it managed. It is very much under control. I don't have to take any medication for it anymore. And but it it was that was a really scary 
really dark headspace of a time for me to be in and experiencing that while I don't want to say I'm glad that I did but I am glad that I did when I did because now I know what the feeling is when it's starting to come on and I know how to better look at my environment and who I'm around and where I'm at and to understand what's triggering it so that I can avoid that in the future that's taken like three years of practice I mean I just now feel like I have it under control so I remember as a kid, I used to feel like I couldn't catch my breath, and my dad took me to the pediatrician. That's how young I was. And they basically told me that my rib cage was too small and my lungs couldn't expand, that I needed to have the surgery to break my ribs and add extenders and all this stuff. And it wasn't, that's not, like, I was very small as a child, so that could have been the case, but it was panic attacks, and I didn't really realize that that's what it was. So that was like... You know, I, I don't think I was maybe until 20 years old that I realized looking back like, oh, that wasn't anything to do with my lungs expanding. Those were panic attacks that I would breathe myself through because I would have to get it under control because I was scared. This is the m- moment where they're going to have to tell me I'm going to have to have surgery. Mm-hmm. So when I was about 20 years old, I realized that these are panic attacks and I've coached myself through breathing through them to where that they don't get as bad as they have I don't I wouldn't say that I necessarily have many panic attacks usually when I get them it's when something major is going on in my life I got them a lot right after uh, my high school best friend committed suicide that's when I went on medication and I felt like it was a band-aid I felt like mm-hmm. the, the things that you said about medication, like I felt like I, I w- my personality was being drained. I didn't feel like myself. I wasn't chipper and bubbly and outgoing or anything. I was just a zombie. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to put a Band-Aid on. And I'm not one to even take ibuprofen when I have a headache. Like, I have to be forced. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, how many can I pop of these? <laughs> when I finally came, I'm like, I'll take four. <laughs> but I did I felt like I was just putting a band-aid on what there was bigger problems at hand and so I was on it for the amount of time that I needed to be on it and then I slowly weaned myself off um, which is a big thing with anxiety medication you cannot just stop taking them and please don't don't listen to us and just stop taking your anxiety medicine (laughs) because Right. Disclaimer. We are not doctors. I cannot say that (laughs) loud enough. My expertise in the medical field is Grey's Anatomy. Like, (laughs) please do not. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I, I weaned myself off of the medication and I tried to find the root of the problem, which obviously at that time was trying to cope through grief. Um, but today, I mean, the, the issues with my anxiety are more so, I would say like mental. Mm -hmm. I have like a lot of internal conversations with myself that aren't, aren't pretty. What goes on up here is not pretty. And I didn't even realize that that's what anxiety is. Um, I mean, I tell myself all the time, which I say it all the time and I probably shouldn't say this, but I have always been the weakest in the room. Like strength wise, whether it's sports or walking into a gym, I promise you when I ride at cycle bar, I come in last place. There was a, a short period of time where I would grind those gears and I would try my hardest 
but I, I'm just not a strong individual. Doesn't mean that I can't get there or whatever, but I just enjoy the fun of doing the workout and, and what it does for me as a person than I do about coming in first place. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to get there, but she's there. But so I do, I tell myself that all the time, like you're the weakest in the room. Nobody likes you. People are mad at you. I overthink a lot of things. I will say something and I feel like I say stuff all the time. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have never said that. Like, why did I say that? And I beat myself up for it. Those are all forms of anxiety. I'm a control freak. Anxiety mm -hmm. thing. Like I have imposter syndrome. I have trouble committing to things. And honestly, the weirdest one besides the phobia of velvet is crowds freak me out unless I have like I love concerts I will go to I've probably seen the majority of the big country stars in concert yeah and I just love them so much but if I don't have a ticket that has a seat number on it count me out <laughs> count me out I can't do it the thought of like standing in a crowd and not knowing where I belong and getting pushed around and maybe not being able to see or hear or that just freaks me out. It, I don't know. So like things like that, that are just like weird quirks that I have that are all anxieties. I pick, I constantly pick at my nails at my <laughs> me as I've ripped all of my fingernail polish off. <laughs> I'm literally like sitting here just like picking away. Like I'll pick at my pants. I'll pick it, you know, like whatever it is. I'm a, I'm constantly yeah. fidgeting. All anxiety. And I feel like I'm overly exposing myself. I, know, I feel <laughs> naked. <laughs> But it's kind of funny yeah. that, you talk, that you talk about how you think that those are quirks because I don't, we have not talked about this before this episode, but I have the exact same ones. Like, and I think that, but I think a lot of people do, but no one ever talks about stuff like this. So you don't realize that your next door neighbor feels the exact same way. I mean, one of my biggest ones right. is I will, so if I don't talk to my friends every single day, I'll convince myself everyone hates me. Like, I've not talked to my friends in X amount of days. They're mad at me. I've done something. They don't want to talk to me. They don't want to be friends with me anymore. And it takes everything in me to not be like, shut up. That is literally not true. I understand everyone is busy. I understand everyone has different priorities and has at different points in their life. And that does not mean that they do not love me today <laughs> as much as they did yesterday. I mean, it's this whole battle and I don't know where it comes from, but that is like the number one like thing I've always, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I haven't talked to this person in two days. They hate me, you know? I, and I'm like, I don't even have time <laughs> yeah. to talk to people every single day. So I don't know why, <laughs> but we all have these little quirks with it. And it shows that it just anxiety comes in so many different forms. Like even though there are multiple mm -hmm. types, I would say that I have a little bit oh, I, of not of not if every single one, like a little portion of some type of thought that has been every type of the types of anxiety that we talked about earlier. Right. Mm -hmm. Like. I think yeah. to myself sometimes, like, oh, my gosh, like, I have social anxiety whenever I'm, like, I hate going to the mall. I don't know what it is, but the second that I mm -hmm. walk into the mall, I immediately start just sweating. I'm hypersensitive about everything. If someone rubs up against me, I get so irritated. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but I just hate being at the mall. I don't know if it's just because there's so many people that are just running around. Like, literally, I hate it. 
See, I'm I'm that way about Walmart. Oh, I hate Walmart. <laughs> if I walk into Walmart, I instantly get in a bad mood. Yeah, but you put me in a Target. Oh, <laughs> oh, girl, I'll take Target all day long. <laughs> I'm there for hours to the point where Henry will text me and be like, "I mean, did you get lost?" Like he ref- <laughs> he will not go to Target with me. I think mostly because he knows that it's like my my time when I say I'm going to Target. You know that I'm going to be there literally for at least two hours minimum. <laughs> don't call, don't text. <laughs> I won't respond. Just know I'm listening to a podcast and I'm walking every single <laughs> aisle. <laughs> and I'm gonna spend five hundred dollars <laughs> minimum on two pillows <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I really didn't even need. I feel like everybody has these. Let's just call them quirks because mm-hmm. I think uh, you know a lot of times we all have hard a hard time saying this is anxiety right so I feel like for me what I do when I overcome these thoughts or when I start to find myself because if you don't address it in the beginning it's going to keep piling up anxiety is not one of those things it's like oh I'm just going to ignore it push it under the rug and it'll it'll go away it's lingering. It's always going to be there and it's almost like if you put like a dam up and you find some like leaks in the water all of a sudden it's going to come pouring out. Mm-hmm. And whenever that happens to me, I feel a really, I feel really tight in my chest mm-hmm. and I feel like there's like a weight on my chest. And I'll tell my, I tell Scott all the time, I'm like, okay, my chest is starting to get heavy. I've got to go and I've got to go work out. And that's the only thing for me that cures it. And it's not, it can't be something that's my normal routine. It has to be something that's going to push me out of my comfort zone. It's going to basically break down all the barriers for me. I'm not going to be able to walk. So if you see me hobbling around because I'm (laughs) sore, mind your own business because I'm taking care of my anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Next time I see you hobbling around, I'm literally going to push you over. Because you know I'm good at that point. <laughs> yeah. See, that's funny that you work out because my me handling mine is I do have like I've said before on previous episodes, like the mental health talk, I have a tendency of letting things bottle up. So whenever I do start to mm-hmm. feel like my shoulders are just at literally the top, you know, the, my ears, I have to have someone that I can call and I just release everything. I feel super thankful to have people that I trust because you do. You have to feel like you trust someone to be able to do that because, like, for me, I have to talk things out to be able to get to the resolution. And then I realize, okay, that was all just me having, like, anxiety about something. That was me feeling that a certain way that wasn't true. I made it up in my head. But I have to be able to get things out. Like, Mm -hmm. I typically will call Morgan. But I've also been best friends with her for almost 20 years. So, like, she's the Meredith Grey to my Christina Yang. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll call my mom. Like, (laughs) I cannot stress enough that you have to have those people that are your outlet. Because you cannot, well, for me, I could not do it alone. Like, I could not cope with my thoughts in my head by myself. Yeah, and I think having that um, uncensored, unfiltered person to be able to kind of just release it on that's not going to sit there and feed you Pinterest quotes is the best because I can 
like you've said before, if I needed a Pinterest quote or something like that, I could look it up. What I need is like someone to be real with me. Yeah, your friends will be, uh, trust me, the most real. <laughs> They're like, all right, drama queen, take a seat, sit on your throne. <laughs> and honestly, it's really, and especially for me, I feel like it's, um, I always kind of relate things back to like kids because that's the mo- that's the stage of my life I'm in. I feel like finding a way to manage your anxiety is just about as difficult as finding a food that a toddler likes to eat because today they're going to love it. Today it's going to work. Tomorrow could be a completely different story. Like, and I've gone in and I've done, I've done like a full hour workout of lifting heavy weights, listening to some like heavy rap music that does not align with my personality. (laughs) Some nuck if you buck. (laughs) (laughs) That. Like some days that's all I need. That's the release I need. Other days it's not like it doesn't work. And then that's when I have to have a little bit of a mental breakdown. And and then we just a little minty bee and then we come back to life afterwards. <laughs> but I just I do feel like everybody experiences it differently. And the hard thing is, is being able to understand other people's anxieties. Even with someone, even as somebody that has anxiety, I have a hard time looking at someone else and saying, okay, but like, why don't you just pull yourself out of this? Because I'm a firm believer that if you don't control anxiety, anxiety is going to control you. And I made it a promise to myself that I would never allow my anxiety control to control me. At the end of the day, I am a control freak. That is part of my anxiety, <laughs> but I'm not going to let this be all of who I am. And I see people who, um, like my brother, for instance, he really struggles with it a lot and he will not go out to dinner or not do things as a family if, if it cuts into his anxiety. And he, a lot of times lets, lets it control him. And my grandma, she used to tell me she read this book and it was, she was like a big, uh, reader. So she would read a bunch of fiction but she read this fiction book and I couldn't even tell you what it was called, but it was this kid had anxiety. So they put a rubber band around the kid's wrist and they would snap it. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, she was like, you need to, you and your brother need to put rubber bands around your wrist. So that way, when you start to feel anxiety, you snap them, which I think is like, again, that's another way to handle your anxiety. Well, remember when they came out with like fidget spinners? Oh, Yeah. And they had said that it was for ADD, ADHD, and a lot of people would use it for like anxiety because it was something you could control and you could control the speed and it was like you were fidgeting with it. Mm -hmm. And I think because I I have the same thing. I want to always be in control of things, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to. That's why I think I crave change so much. And it's not something that I always used to create. I used to hate when things would change like Uh it was my way or the highway. But now I think that I've I identify that I like to control things so much to an extent that I almost like really crave change because I need to be kicked back down to the bottom and back down to being like a realist and having to work my way back up to being, you know, at the top Mm -hmm. so that I don't over control things. And I don't try to be like the control freak that I know that like I can lash out and be sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I do the same thing. Because I love it. Like, I love just taking a leap and just figuring out. But it took me a long time to not 
feel like I have to control every step of where that leap is going to take me and just mm-hmm. figure out how how we're going to make it along the way. It's something that is going to look different for everyone. Yes, they might not understand every single aspect of it, but just being able to identify that like it is the anxiety and it is the panic attacks, step one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Step two, figure mm-hmm. out your coping mechanisms. Whether it's working out, whether it's listening to music, whether it's going on a drive, whether it's just taking a few deep breaths and letting things go, whether it's playing with a a rubber band or a fidget spinner. And then step three, I think, would be just being able to manage and control it and always be able to identify what's giving you the anxiety. Yes. I think finding the root cause. Yeah. Yeah, finding the root cause may not necessarily be the first step in your anxiety journey, but I think finding coping mechanisms because once you have anxiety, it's always going to be there, whether it goes away and it comes back. So I think, yeah, figuring out your coping mechanisms first and understanding that you are not the only one. I mean, there are There was a 24-hour period where Sarah and I did not talk, and I had a dream that she called me, and she's breaking up with me. (laughs) And the authentic chicks was no more. This is actually the breakup story. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. This is now authentic chick. (laughs) No, but it is. It's it's hard for something to be you know to not let something take so much control over you especially like whenever you don't realize that it's not just you that is going through this I mean everyone feels anxious thoughts everyone has just their mind our minds just wonder right and like sometimes Mm -hmm. you can't control it but I really just hope that people can take away from this to not let your anxiety be crippling and to not let it make you become someone that you don't want to be because at the end of the day you do have full control and I encourage Mm -hmm. and empower you if you are feeling some type of way that you just feel lost to just talk to someone about it and to seek out some advice or some help because once you're able to take back your life and take back control there is no better feeling than the feeling of I overcame that one of my best friends um she was talking about she's obsessed with David Goggins he is a badass okay so he was on the Joe Rogan podcast and I've been listening to it a little here and a little there but he said something that has really stuck with me and I even talked about this during my class the other day he says that your brain is like a garage. When you are when your brain is a cluttered mess, you cannot fit your car in there. But if you were to organize, get rid of the negativity, get rid of the things that are just taking up space in your brain, you organize your thoughts, you can fit your car in there. So if you get rid of the bad things, the things that are literally just taking up space in your brain, you can you can bring in the good. So you can you can bring in those coping mechanisms or those um, routines or You can bring in the things that are going to benefit you and let go of the things that don't. So I feel like that this is like one of those things where you can, you organize those thoughts, you bring in the coping mechanisms, you bring in the good, you, you automatically can identify what is going to help and what is going to hurt in certain situations. So 
I feel like for me that has really broke down everything that goes on in my head because, you know, they say as a mom, you're which I, honestly, I, I wouldn't even say as a mom, but as a as an adult in 2023, your brain is like the internet tabs where the music's playing. There's so many open, there's music playing. You don't know which one it is. That's my brain constantly. So I'm like, we're going to X out all these things that we don't need. And we're just going to start fresh because my car needs to fit in the garage and the music needs to stop on the tabs. Right. That's me whenever I first got my MacBook and everything I downloaded would play in my iTunes. <laughs> and I was like, where is this coming from? I'm like, please make it stop. <laughs> but here is my, I always love a good self-help book, right? Uh-huh. I, uh, his book, Never Finished. Have you read it? I have not, but I'm going to. It is on my on the top of my list to read. It goes into this. I think I call it like a mental lab and it's essentially how to like unclutter your mind. And I think that he has this like how to win the war within tagline, but it is, it is a good book. He's a world renowned athlete, but mm-hmm. he basically goes into all of this like philosophical deep dive into how to declutter your mind, like closing out the mm-hmm. tab. So never finished is a great book. Okay. Speaking of self-help books, another outlet that has really helped me is Jay Shetty's podcast on purpose and he has some really great episodes on anxiety and on depression and really just like identifying what your purpose in life is and he has like live today on purpose that is one podcast that I used to listen to when I was in college like every single day I loved listening to it so that's another outlet just being able to declutter and understand what is beneficial and what is not and let letting go of the things that don't serve you in your life and I think that's why I've become such a um I just talk about things a lot in my life about things that serve you and your journey and being able to be confident in that is because that's that's what took me a step back to make me realize that what I deal with these intrusive thoughts are it's all linked to anxiety and the way that I manage my anxiety is is a personal journey and I've learned to let go of things mm-hmm. that don't serve me, whether it's people, places, things, whatever it is, let it go. Um, I'm not, I'm one to either hold on to things like me, or like material things, like I'll hoard them mm-hmm. or I'll completely get rid of them. I have box of things that are like sentimental and boxes of things that I just get rid of. And I feel like that's part yep. of the anxiety journey for me. That's hilarious because I have this literal huge ch- box, like a chest of every card, oh, every I note, keep every, card. every one, <laughs> literally like every, f- like I take a flower petal from every bouquet of flowers someone's ever bought me, <laughs> sent to me. Like I have like just stuffed animals from the fair that like Henry's won. I have everything in this box. And it's so funny because when we moved in with each other, I would tell him, you cannot look in this. <laughs> Because I have some, like, I mean, I don't want to, like, chew my own horn, but I do have some, like, love letters from ah. exes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> no one, I don't think anyone has ever written me a love letter. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I, I was. I was like, this is something that is very sacred to me because whenever I start to get like anxious about something or feeling alone, I'll go and pull something out of there and remind myself these are just my anxious thoughts talking. This is not reality. Mm-hmm. And oh, it, it does such such good for me. That's hilarious that you keep stuff because I do too. <laughs> my three things to leave you with for this week is one – Figure out your anxiety triggers. Find your coping mechanism. Two, read the David Goggins book. And three, listen to the Jay Shetty podcast. Yep. That's our piece of advice. And four, as always, be a bad bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Well, thank you for listening with us this week. We hope that you enjoy talking about um, anxiety as much as we have. Leave us a comment. (laughs) Let us know what you thought of this week's episode. We absolutely adore our listeners more than we Mm -hmm. could ever, ever express. We are so thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, We do have some guests that work lining up to come onto the podcast to talk about different topics. So let us know what you want to hear. Let us know who you want to see on the podcast. And your authentic chicks are out. (laughs) 